happened in that conversation that sparked something inside me. It was like, okay, I think I have a new purpose now, a new why. Um, and that's, you know, how do I get the word out about, hey, people, you can invest into real estate in a passive hands-off way. You can do it to set yourself up for retirement and for financial freedom. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I am here with Jim Manning. Uh, Jim is, uh, so I'm going to give a brief background, but we'll have Jim tell a story. 15 years ago, Jim set out to find a way to become financially free. Um, and that journey has led him to own three multi-million dollar real estate companies. Uh, I, I like that you list uh, working a balanced schedule and, and being, you know, a present parent as some of your accomplishments um, and, and invest in over $250 million in properties. So, uh, a lot there. I'm going to first say thank you. Thank you for coming on today, Jim. I know we've had some <laughs> technical difficulties, but we'll we'll get through this. Uh, but thank you for coming on and being a guest. I do I do appreciate it very much. Well, I, Jason, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and um, and to to get to know you. And hopefully, I can provide some value for the the audience here. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just start by you know tell, telling us your story, telling us your background, uh, and then we'll dig in from there. Oh, that's great. So yeah, so I started in real estate in 2006. And everyone uh, thought I was kind of silly and 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 foolish to to get excited about real estate then because uh, that's when uh, real estate caused that recession, right? And, and kind of the sky was falling then and, and everything like that. And then the way I figured it, I was like, well, I'm going to go against the grain. And if I can get aggressive, when everyone else is getting scared, uh, when the market does turn around, uh, uh, we'll be able to do some damage and, and make some good money. And and uh, so we started out in real estate and, uh, and in a market that was uh, kind of the sky was falling. And and uh, uh, the lesson I learned then was that uh, there's money to be had in every market. You just have to uh, match the appropriate strategy with uh, uh, with with what you're doing and with what the market's doing. So. Uh, so yeah, so got into real estate in 2006 before real estate uh, my first job out of college, I was working with, for a self-made billionaire and, um, this guy, like, you know, when you're 22 years old working for somebody like that and you're driving riding on private jets and you're drinking thousand dollar bottles of champagne. And, um, uh, it was a unique experience. I was able to see how the, the top 1% lives and, and I started idolizing this guy. I was like, wow, this guy's pretty incredible. And he has this gorgeous girlfriend and this guy's wider than he is tall. And yet, you know, he has all of these cool things. Like maybe, you know, maybe I like America. Maybe I, maybe I'd like to have a little piece of America. So that kind of sparked in me this desire to like, okay, well, maybe I can achieve something because this guy built this company from the ground up. He's a guy just like me. Maybe I could do something like that. Uh, so it was a really fortunate experience when I got out of college. And the interesting thing was uh, the first week I worked for him, uh, we, uh, the company that I was with, we did a good enough job. We got asked back. And when we got asked back, uh, he also invited me to dinner with his family. 
And uh, so I remember going to dinner thinking, man, this guy must really like me. I can't believe it. What Maybe this will be a great opportunity. And within five minutes of being there, I realized that the help was there uh, because his wife and his uh, daughters absolutely hated him. And if the help was there, it would keep the peace. And uh, notice I said I first met his really good looking girlfriend that was half his age. And yeah, he was still married and and, and had these daughters. So shocker that they uh, that they didn't have a great relationship, right? And as the onion peeled back, what I realized was, wow, this guy on the surface that I idolized, um, and he's achieved the the pinnacle of any sort of business achievement that you can, uh, a self made billionaire. Uh, as the onion peeled back, I realized, whoa, this guy's miserable. And uh, he's not happy at all. And he has all of these, all this wealth, and but no joy to be able to experience it. So uh, then I decided kind of at that moment, I was like, well, I would like to be able to have uh, some big business achievements and life achievements, but I want to do it in a way that doesn't cost me everything in the process. So how do I do both? And I started studying um, uh, investing. I was like, well, if you're going to do good things, you need to know about investing. I poured into all sorts of books on the stock market. Warren Buffett read several of his books. Uh, then I started studying real estate investing. And I absolutely fell in love with that because of the, uh, the ability to make uh, and generate good money and do good things for the community at the same time. Uh, when you fix up a property, you're literally creating a home for a family. Uh, so I, I decided to get into real estate from a pragmatic, okay, I can make some good money and a, um, and a community focused, like I can do good while I, while I make good money. So I, 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 I fell in love with, with the prospect and, and in 2006 got in full steam ahead, uh, full time. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I, that's a very interesting I guess to to see that at such a young age too, to be um, kind of introduced to the the billionaire lifestyle, but then you know, kind of seeing what uh, <laughs> what is is uh, the downside to that, right? Like being you know so consumed by work and and you know that that level of success. It, I've heard people say before, you know, as as a billionaire, you just have, you just have bigger problems. You know, not necessarily that the problems go away. So. Um, you know, I guess that's a, <laughs> be careful what you wish for, but you, you also mentioned kind of coming into real estate in 2006 and, and, you know, sort of adjusting your strategy for whatever the market. So tell us a little bit about that, you know, beginning journey into real estate and, and what you, what you did there to kind of take advantage in, in, uh, what a lot of people perceive as a difficult time. Absolutely. So the, uh, Great question. So the, the market of the moment then was short sales. And uh, for those of you that, that don't remember or weren't around for, for that, a short sales, basically, if you if a property is worth 50000 but a bank has a $100,000 note on the property, uh, it's the process of negotiating with the bank to say, hey, we need you to sell the property for $50,000 because that's all it's worth now. And so that's selling the property short of the loan amount. And so uh, that's really where we played. We got our first three years of, of being in real estate. We specialized in short sales. Uh, and I say we, it was uh, my now business partner at the time, Ryan Wessels and I uh, were, were doing deals back then. And, and um, 
that's really where, where we focused on. And, and then we decided to start uh, as those were starting to slow down and as the market was starting to stabilize a little bit more, uh, we, we began flipping properties and we built up uh, a pretty large rehabbing business um, kind of in our heyday. I think 2017 was the year we did the most flips. It might've been 2018. Um, gosh, I've been doing this a long time. So I get a little bit hazy on what year we did when, right. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, we got to 120 flips at the exact same time, uh, that we owned, uh, uh that we owned. we had three full-time construction managers that were managing general contractors and, uh, you name it. And we had a, a, a lot of different projects going at the same time. Uh, obviously. So, uh, so we did that for, you know, and that was building up. Uh, we did that, uh, for a number of years, we were buying a hundred plus houses. And, um, the interesting thing though, what we saw was, well, okay. Five years ago, I sold this house for 300,000. Now the homeowner bought it and held on to it. Now they're reselling it for 330, 340. Um, we're like, okay, well, they're, they're making about the same that we, that we made on this deal. Uh, why don't we get a little bit more serious about holding on to these assets? And um, uh, so the the flipping became our sense of income, or or sense, or it, be, it was our income that we then were able to then turn into more long term buy and holds. And you know, fast forward to today, and that's really our main focus now. Um, uh, especially with the current market state, we're five million houses underbuilt and single family homes. Uh, so we're just trying to buy and hold, and there's a lot of other fund managers such as myself. They're just trying to buy and hold on to as much single family homes as we can right now, um, for the long term, uh, since we are still in such a housing shortage, right? So, um, so that's really, I mean, gosh, I just told you just 15 years worth of stuff in like two minutes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was as simple stuff, as it but, sounded in that. No, yeah, not at all. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we're operating more than one company now, but like, you know, Amazon, you know, we didn't start out just like, you know, doing multiple companies, like, uh, uh, we we're just doing short sales and then we were just doing flips for the first like six, seven years. Right. Like Amazon, uh, just sold books online for a, like a year or two. And then they went into CDs for another year before they started branching out and doing all the things that they're doing. And we've had a very similar journey. So if you're an if you're an entrepreneur, just kind of thinking like, oh well, gosh, these guys are running three multi million dollar companies and they have two real estate funds that they do and they're doing all this stuff. Well, yeah, and it's been 16 years, so don't right. uh, you know we didn't start out doing doing these five organizations uh, uh, in year one, right? So yeah, yeah, that, that that's a great point because I do think a lot of especially uh, you know with social media and stuff, it's like it's very easy to get in that comparison game and say, well, you know, look at what Jim's doing. This is amazing. I want to do that. And it's like, well, that neglects to mention the last 15 plus years that you've yeah, been working right. on that. And it doesn't, right. doesn't just start that way. So yeah, there, I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, but it's that, you know, sort of don't compare your day one with, you know, someone's year 15, if you will, in this, in this well, instance, yeah. but it's, it, that's it right. And, and I'm one of the I'm one of the co-founders. So clearly I, I like was a part of the journey. Right. But like day one, Jim Manning compared to, to, to year 15, Jim, I can't compete against myself. And I'm the right. one that I'm one of the big, one of the two guys that founded the thing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that's right. It, it's, it's um, a definitely a journey for sure. Yeah. So, 
so like, I mean, I guess, so the interesting thing that would happen to me was a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, so like we've been building up our portfolio and, 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 and we have this lease purchase strategy that's just phenomenal, uh, lowers the risk and, and, and helps with the predictability of returns. And, and, uh, it was interesting as, as a, uh, uh, I had a friend confide in me and he said, Hey Jim, I'm afraid of running out of money before I die. And I, you know, I, I took my breath away because I was like, here's a self-made millionaire. He's in his seventies and he's afraid of running out of money before he dies. He did everything the financial industry taught him to do his entire life. He saved, he worked his tail off. He saved his money. And now inflation's going through the roof. The stock market's going down and sideways. There's a lot of uncertainty with what's going on there. And now he's in a state where if he lives to be 90, he's absolutely fine. If he lives to be a hundred and then, you know, some sort of medical hardship happens, he doesn't know, you know? And so like, like now that he's in his seventies, it's like, well, man, do I go to that bucket list trip to Europe or do I just not go? And so anyway, like, like when that happened, that conversation that sparked something inside me, it was like, okay, I think I have a new purpose now, a new why. Um, and that's, you know, how do I get the word out about, Hey, people, you can invest into real estate in a passive hands-off way. You can do it to set yourself up for retirement and for financial freedom. Um, uh, because the difference between real estate and the stock market is if I own a stock in Anheuser-Busch and I buy it because beer traditionally does really well uh, in recessionary environments, right? And then one social media post, I think Dylan was his name, Dylan Mulaney or Mulvaney, whatever his name was. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, there was $27 billion and 20% in market value that was lost after that. And it sparked because of that one social media post. So if I'm in my 70s and I need to now start to live off of that, and I have to now start to sell that stock because of that craziness that happened. I'm selling at a deep discount and I'm in this environment of, of uncertainty. And I juxtapose that or I compare that to if I just had the same amount of passive income coming in in real estate. Well, real estate, the cash flow that comes in isn't a promise. It's actual profit from your investment, right? So if you can live off that cash flow, well, the real estate over time is going to appreciate. And if it's a million dollars of real estate, you're that nest egg's not depleting now. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so like, like that's really, you know, like you mentioned, like talking about the why and like, and why you're doing things. My why has changed a lot over the time and a lot over the years. And, and now the why is, you know, how do I create an environment where, um, where we can help people become financially free and, and live the good life of retirement backed by an asset that's amazing, like real estate, you know, like how to, yeah. and that's really, um, uh, that's the, the new purpose and, and why we're doing what we're doing now. Yeah. And what you just brought up is just, it's such a funny thing to me that it's, you know, the, the traditional route of retirement and people putting money in their 401k and IRAs and all of this stuff. Great. That's fine. It's not a problem to do that, but recognize that like the way to get money out of the stock market is by selling the stocks. Whereas with real estate, we can actually continue to produce cash flow through those real estate investments as they appreciate in value. So it's like, you don't, it, it's a, it, it, it's a true story. Like your, your friend who's saying, you know, I'm worried about, you know, running out of money before I die. And, and like, 
that's someone who you who a lot of you know sort of quote unquote regular people think there's a here's a really wealthy person that can't happen to them but like the reality is is you know you might have medical expenses as you mentioned you, you can kind of run into anything and if your nest egg is being depleted every year by having to make withdrawals it's is very hard to to sort of feel comfortable about where that's going if you see that balance just always going down uh and so i think it, it's a it's a great point that you make there about you know kind of the differences in terms of using real estate for retirement versus the stock market yeah and, and for the record a lot of people have made a lot of money in the stock market and a lot yeah. of people will continue to make a lot of money in the stock market and for retirement when you're talking about one social media post can cause a 20, 20 plus billion dollars of market value go away. It's that is for retirement when you're in that volatile and uncertain of an environment. Yeah. Well, how about we have a foundation of real estate that's not quite so crazy. And then now that you have that foundation in place, now you can start to, you can do the stock markets, you can invite and in, invest into private equities. You can, right. you can do all sorts of other stuff that can work for you when the foundation's intact and the cash flow is intact from, from real estate. So uh, it's not like an either, or it's like a, well, yeah. it's a, it's like a, well, how do you focus first on that foundation, get your structure set up. So you don't have to worry about if there's another war that happens or any of that other stuff, you can just feel pretty good. And that's the biggest advantage. I think that single family specific real estate has over, pretty much any other investment vehicle I can think of is um, there's not a market shift that can take single family residents out. And, and what I mean by that is Blockbuster is a good story. It got up to over $5 billion in valuation in 2004. By 2014, Netflix came around and the company was bankrupt and worth nothing. That was a market shift, right? In, um, in real estate, we have to live somewhere. As far as I know, there's not one market shift that can get us out of living somewhere. So like there's, there is that need when it comes to, when it comes to single family housing, um, that you're just not going to be able to get around. So, so you're not exposing yourself, uh, to some of that, uh, to some of that unknown and some of the, the market shifts that can happen. Right. Yeah. And you're. You're much less at risk from something like you said, a social media post. Uh, I mean, Elon Musk likes to do that, post some sort of thing on Twitter that that you know changes the the value of his companies up or down. I mean, it it can go both ways. It's just that that volatility and, and unpredictability is is pretty big, and and it definitely is not an either or. And I and I think that you know hopefully people recognize that you know when we talk about real estate on the show i'm not saying don't invest in the stock market but most people are only invested in the stock market that's what they think is the right way to go that's what even their financial advisor tells them is the right way to go and make no mistake you're not diversified that way you're not you're not diversified by being in the stock market like that's one asset class you you should you should be outside of it whether that's real estate or you know, include other things it's fine but it, the point is it's it's you're not diversified just because you have a couple of different stocks or you have you know what i mean it, it's all that kind yeah. of same same um potential volatility that's 
that's absolutely right. And and then here's so let's be fair, okay? Like we're saying all all the pros to real estate. There's one thing that really sucks about real estate. And let's be real, is that uh, to execute and have profitable deals, like it takes time. You have to find mm -hmm. the deal. You have to negotiate it. You have to find the right contractor and manage it and, and get it under the right repairs. Uh, and I'm talking in generalities. There's different nuances here. But um, even if you have a property manager, you have to manage the property manager to properly manage your company, right? Yeah. Or your property. So there's a lot of work that goes into it as well. And in like the defense of like the financial industry and the financial advisors in the rearview mirror was there wasn't a whole lot of hands-off investing opportunities available uh, for people that outside of like family offices or like your old school 1% money. Uh, but nowadays what's happening in the private equity space is you have these private markets that have been doubling since 2000. It's now they're in the trillions and they're continuing to double because these private investments are, are uh, uh, turning uh, better returns and they are giving diversification. And it's 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 giving people that that have money to invest in a, a great alternative to get out of some of this craziness swings in the public market and get into asset classes like real estate in a 100% hands-off way. So mm -hmm. just because all of this work is needed doesn't mean that you as the investor have to do any of the work. You just have to find the right team or the right individual to invest in and have them do all the work. So the most successful structure that I've ever found in investing in real estate is when you have an active investor that's doing all the work and you have a passive investor uh, that's really providing the finances. Okay. Yep. And, and, and it's, and it's paying for things. And so there's a lot of different real estate funds out there and structures that allow you to do that hands-off investing. Um, and the other cool thing about it is like, uh, uh, you can take IRA money. It doesn't have to be, it can be retirement account money. Uh, real estate is a class that you can invest that on. Um, and so the, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of times the financial advisors will see these structures as competition. So like uh, when we sit down and we have a consultation with people, one of the common things I get is, oh, well, I need to talk to my financial advisor about this. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. And no, they're not. It's going to be very difficult for them to be a true fiduciary for you right. because, because they're going to be biased because they only make money when your money is within their umbrella. That's how they're charging you fees and how they're making money. If an investment opportunity is outside of that umbrella, then, you know, is it, can they be a true fiduciary that's unbiased and, and actually look at it from an, an unbiased perspective? And so, so there's a lot to it. And these structures are on the, uh, they've been around for 50 plus years, but to, but to, but they, it's really been more of an elite thing uh, right. that, you know, so like it's, it's, they're becoming more and more commonplace as, as the nation's overall wealth has been growing and going up. But, uh, so it's it's fascinating to to look into and to, and to think about. I mean, what have you seen, Jason? You you do a lot in in this space too. What do you? Yeah, think? no, I I completely agree. I think the accessibility. Uh, I, I, funny that I, I had a guest on the podcast, uh, Adam Gower, who would like. It was really cool because he kind of gave a history lesson, essentially, of you know uh, the accessibility of of private placements, you know, within real estate, and it was very, very interesting. And in, in the reality is it just, it hasn't been that long 
that the general public had reasonable access to real estate investment opportunities in in the private market. It really hasn't. So you could you could say 10 years ago, even you know 10, 15 years ago, I didn't know about it. There's no, I didn't know, I didn't know how I could get involved. There was no way I didn't know, especially then you needed to know someone who was doing it. There was no uh 506c opportunities that could be advertised. But but now it like now there's no longer a, a way to say that it's not accessible because there's there's ways to get involved with anybody. And and I I have the same reaction to that comment of oh okay I'm gonna go now I'm gonna go talk to my financial advisor it's it's just it's, it's fine but they probably don't know what they're talking about when it comes to this real estate specifically so um I think it's just kind of recognizing what's available to people and what um opportunities are out there aside from you know maybe what you're what you're already doing so I, I I agree with you completely what you know sort of that point that you made absolutely yeah it's uh it has been interesting and and you know it's the internet's really a, a helpful place like guys like so you know we've been doing this for 16 plus years and I mean I even four years ago if someone said hey Jim you're gonna own two real estate funds well, I mean I would have been like looked at him like what are you talking about no I I'm not gonna do that and and uh <laughs> you know, but like, you know, there's just, it's just out there now. There's more information out there. And, and, you know, I didn't know I was going to, you know, be run into my friend that's afraid of running out of money and then have it spark something in me that was like, wait, this whole time I've been very, we, one of the ways we grew our business was through passive investors, wasn't in a fund structure, but they would invest and lend money to us as we grew and did all these flips. I said, well, my goodness, like there's all these people now that are financially free that have invested with us for the last 15 years. Like we already have a team that can do all of the work. Well, why not try and bless people's lives and leave that as a legacy uh, for it? But like, I mean, it's, it's just been the perfect storm of, of, of things coming together. And, and um, uh, you know, like they say, God has a plan and, you know, like in hindsight, I guess it all makes sense, but it sure didn't in the moment, right, right. you know, that it, we were leading to this. So yeah, um, it's easier to look back, back and see, you know, kind of how the those pieces fell together, and and you know what make make a little bit more sense of it. But yeah, in in the moment, you're just working towards what makes sense to to you, and then someone uh -huh. comes and says something to you, or what you know, something happens that kind of opens up another uh, window in just in your mind about how else I can uh, how else I can you know sort of make all of this work or help other people or whatever the case may be. I do. Right. I want to ask you. I am. I have. I don't have four kids. I have two kids. But I. I know here you listed. You know these that passive income has allowed you to do some things. And you say, you specifically mentioned work a balance schedule and and parent four kids under nine and coach teams and things. And I and this is maybe. Uh, I assume there are other parents out there that would have the same question. But selfishly, I want you to talk about that a little bit. What have you done to help? Um, you know, create a lot of success, but also, you know, manage to, to still be, you know, there for, for family. Yeah. So the, um, oh, what a great question. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, I mean, the first thing, like, I can't take all credit for it. I married, I outkicked my coverage. My wife is amazing. She's an amazing mom. 
um <laughs> i guess that uh, is the key because it's the same for me it's like just just marry someone amazing and then you can be well yeah and I, I get it that that's a little bit of a cop-out because it's like okay great well what do i do if if my wife's not amazing or my husband's not no i'm joking but um uh so that has been absolutely helpful real estate's allowed our family so i'm a soul you know like uh, my wife's able to stay at home too so that does really help but real estate allowed us the vehicle to do that it created that right um, but the, uh, the life experience and getting crystal clear on, Hey, I'm not, I'm going to measure my success by what I gave up to get it. Okay. I'm not going to just measure success as I climb a mountain and become a self-made billionaire. I'm going to measure it by what was I able to achieve and at what cost. Okay. So the first step became very crystal clear on, okay, well, no, like I am not going to, uh, sacrifice my relationships with my wife, with God, with uh, my children. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have those set up and then I'm going to work my tail off and I'm going to get as much done when I can. And if for whatever reason, I don't get all the work done that I needed to that day after the kids go to bed. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll, instead of watching Netflix one night, I'll watch, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go through emails or whatever, but you know, I, I don't do that every night. Uh, some, every once in a while I do. And I go through phases of, of working more hours and phases of not, but like, like I almost started to treat, this is only entrepreneurs will understand this, by the way. Like if, if anyone's listening is like, man, what is wrong with this guy? I get it. Sometimes I think the same thing. Um, I, I had to start treating uh, my family life as if it was my job when I was, um, I'm very good, very goal oriented. And I'll start the week on, I'll write my to-do list and checklist at work. And then Saturday would roll around and I found myself having a hard time detaching. And like, even though I was like with my family, I also kind of half wasn't mentally. So what I had to start doing was, was I said, no, okay, my job right now is to be a dad and to be a great husband and a great family guy. Okay. So like Saturday morning rolls around. Okay. Like, like, what am I going to achieve as if it was my job? I know it's a little bit demented, but uh, what am I going to achieve with my family? Like, like, okay, like I'm going to go to the game and be fully present. I'm going to do something fun um, uh, with my daughter. I'm going to take her to the batting cages or, or whatever it is. Right. Uh, and then I would like, as if it was my job or as if it was my company, I would just kind of start checking it off. I don't have to do that as much anymore, but I, 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 there was a time where I was starting to get a little carried away with my business work goals that that helped me reset it into more of like a centered and balanced approach. Um, uh, and it's, it's weird. I had to act like my personal life was work in order to start detaching from work. I, I, I get it. Like I, even explaining this out to you, doesn't, uh, I, I hope you're tracking me and you're following me here. Uh, and I hope I'm doing this justice in the explana yeah. explanation, yeah. but, um, uh, that's really helped me. And, um, uh, it's to the point now where, yeah, I, I, I coach a couple, uh, my daughter in softball and my, uh, my son in baseball. My, my third is getting old enough to be in sports. So I'm going to coach his team too. And, and, um, uh, it's a lot easier when, if I look through the lens of what my priorities are, 
And you know what, if it takes me a little bit of extra time on some of the work stuff, that's okay. But the weird thing is, is what I found is um, uh, the time to detach actually makes me stronger and allows me to get more work done uh, than if I had been going just the entire time. Um, you know, it's interesting. Have you ever seen uh, pictures of like like a marathon runner versus a sprinter? Like you'll see, like just get an image in your head, like a sprinter. They're typically like these these studs of guys, right? They're like super muscu muscular, right. super healthy looking. And then if you then the then my head anyway, a marathon runner. I'm like, man, that guy needs a cheeseburger. That guy is just exhausted and famished, yeah, and just like super rail thin, right? And a lot of times we don't like think about that, but like if you're just going 24 seven at the work stuff, like you're in essence running like a marathon worth versus like Hey, can I be a sprinter? Can I, if I'm there from nine to five today, man, I am going to give it everything I have, sprint as hard as I can. And then now I'm going to detach, reset. So then the next day that rolls around, I'm going to be able to sprint again and really, and really kick some tail. Um, so, um, so when I started getting into that better rhythm, uh, I'm, I'm happier. I get more work done. And, uh, you know, I solve more problems, uh, and you know, the, you know, the personal precedes the professional, like if someone's, you know, we've had team members going through some crazy, crazy stuff, quite frankly, over 16 years, um, crazy stuff. And, you know, all the way to the point where, oh man, oh, it's just some of the stuff you see as a business owner. And every time, like some of the, the, the difficult personal stuff was happening professionally, like, like, like they were started to underperform and started obviously, you know, obviously having issues. So, so like, if you don't take time to really take care of your personal and make sure that that's in good shape, like it's over time, it's going to really hurt your, really hurt you professionally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And, and it, I think the, you know sort of like you said treating personal time as as you know run it like a business right keep that personal time and similar mindset in terms of you know just having things scheduled and and what in and it allows i agree like it allows you to be more efficient in your work your work you know your working hours are more efficient because if you say i'm turning it off at x time or the weekend or whatever it is then you have you know it's it's almost better because if you if you're just like oh, i work all the time then you're like i have all the time to get this done right and so you know there's that saying about getting you know you get work done in the amount of time you allow for it so if you have you know uh, someone has a, a kid in school has a book report due in two weeks they do the book report in four hours, but they do it the day before yeah. it's due, right? So it's just kind of like you can be, you can create efficiency and urgency within your work by just saying, I don't work outside of this period of time. Doesn't mean you get less work done. It just means you got to figure out how to make it happen, you know, more efficiently. That's right. I, you know, I used to think I didn't have any time and like, you know, when I started out working, like my roommate at the time, like, oh, he gave me so much trouble for this. So I started out, I was 23 years old, first couple of months being a business owner. I'm like, just freaked out. 
and he he comes home at the end of the day i was working out of our apartment and he opens up the shades and he goes jim like why are the shades down i was like i don't have enough time for that like i had all this like i don't have enough time i don't have enough time and um uh, i laugh at myself now because it's like like goodness when before i had kids and was married i had a lot of time and the whole time i told myself how i didn't have enough time And here I, you know, here I am with legitimately less time uh, that I have the kids. And I feel like I have more time than I did before I had kids. Yeah. So a lot yeah. of it's just, a lot of it's like our headspace. It doesn't really logically make any sense, but, um, you know, and maybe some of it too is just prioritization. Like if you're working all day, every day, and, but you're taking three hours to do something that really shouldn't have even been done in the first place because it was the wrong thing. Um, yeah, it's really hard to get anything done, but like when you start to really focus on the big things and get really good at solving the big problems, um, my goodness, it's amazing what you can achieve. And, and quite frankly, not all that much time, you know, um, uh, you know, we're, we got to dial in and down now where, uh, so the, the first three companies, like I, I do spend a day of a week in leadership meetings and, and, you know, the, the, the organizational problems that need to get worked on kind of all funnel their way up to the, to, to the ownership group on Thursdays. And, you know, we spend all day Thursday kind of tackling some of the problems. But, you know, and that's the three of the companies. That's all I'm, you know, all I'm doing now for those companies. It's, and it's, it's fortunate. We have an amazing, amazing team that's handling 99% of the heavy lifting and uh, but that didn't happen overnight. I mean, I had my hands in everything for a decade, you know, yeah. <laughs> like this isn't yeah. like something that you said, oh, well, one day I want to do that. <laughs> well, one day I did what well, I wanted to do that too. It just, you know, it just took 15 years, you know, um, uh, but it's, 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 it's been a blessing and uh, I'm in a very fortunate place now where it's like, okay, well, I have extra time. I can get on great shows like yours, Jason, and just try and, hopefully provide some value for people and, and, um, help any way I can. That's, that's what I'm trying to do now. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think the, the, it is fascinating. You, you do think, you do think you're busy. Uh, you, you know, you think you're busy. You think, oh, I couldn't possibly do more. And then you have kids and then you have, you start businesses and then you're like, what did I do then? Like what I, I was like, and what do people do that don't do all like, it's funny to me, sometimes people ask, like, how do you do all these things? And I'm like, well, I don't know. What are you doing in your, t-? like, like, I don't know what I used to do. I really don't. Like, apparently I used to waste a lot of time because now it's like filled up with kids and activities and all of this. And I'm like, I genuinely <laughs> am not sure. I guess I watched more TV. I don't really know what the, what I was doing, but it's like, it, it does. It's like, now it's like, it just becomes the new norm and you and you adapt to that and you find out ways to make your life more efficient that that's it like it's just uh it doesn't happen overnight but that's ultimately what gets created out of you know sort of adding family business whatever it is that you want to bring into your life so i think uh it's it's a it's fascinating to you know talk to people that are that have experienced those same things um Jim, I, I want to switch gears here real quick and get to ask you the questions I ask every guest. Uh, okay. And the first one is um, based on the name of the show, but I, I like to ask every guest, you know, what is your why? And I know you you touched on it some. I want to give you the chance to 
um, expand if there's anything you'd like to add, you know, kind of what, what really drives you uh, at this point? Yeah, it's really just the legacy of time and treasure and, uh, you know, helping people uh, become financially free, investing in real estate in a hands-off way. Um, uh, I can't think of a better gift than to give people uh, both time and treasure back. And, and if we can create more people that are financially free as a society, like what charities will get built, what, you know, how much extra can we pour into the next generation and, 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 and develop up the next generation at a higher level. And, um, and if we can do that in a way that's like earlier, like, you know, I've achieved it here as a, as a 38 year old, I achieved it. I'm getting ready to be 40. Uh, if we can get more and more people that can get to a stage where they aren't limited by, um, by like having to do things, they, 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 get to a place where they get, are, are young enough and hungry enough to get to do things yeah. like uh, uh, what, what can we, what can we do as a society? How much good can we do? And, and so that's really, you know, we're hoping to a legacy that I'm hoping to leave behind and, and uh, you know, no mistake about it as this thing grows, I win too, you know, like that's, you know, uh, I think that's, you know, so it's not like a, I'm doing this for charity, you know, we're not a non-for-profit or anything like that, but um, but really, I mean, that is what, what drives me now. I think about, you know, I'll feel pretty good if I like, you know, when I'm looking back on my deathbed and I can say, man, I really helped a, a, a lot of people. Uh, and then the good that was able to come out of that was, you know, immeasurable. Like how, how, how do you even measure that? And, uh, so it's, yeah, it's a lot more to me than just about the X's and O's and the, the dollars and cents. It's, um. Uh, it's it's really about the working on the legacy now so yeah yeah love it um tell us something about yourself that uh, isn't common knowledge special skill a hobby anything let listeners know you a little better uh i can do a um uh, i know how to do a rubik's cube i like looked at it online and and i can I can do a Rubik's cube now. This is a new thing. <laughs> I learned how to do it in the last uh, 12 months. Oh, oh, why? Wow. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess like my, we randomly, one of the kids got it or something. I just started tinkering and playing with it. Um, but I know how to do that. I, I've been getting into uh, golfing and taking some golf lessons. Um, I, I have been improving a lot there. And And one of the things that like I feel like as I'm, staring down 40 i'm gonna ready to be 40 in three months um at the time of this recording anyway um uh one thing that i find myself wanting to do is is like a hobby or something like that i'm a beginner in it at again and so like the the golf has been really refreshing because like i was a baseball player growing up i yeah. uh, I, I ended up playing at a d3 uh, uh college baseball i was able to become a, a baseball player and in college and and that's the so it's been nice to try something new on like a hobby level and then be like oh this is how it feels like again because it's been a while since we were newbies at yeah. like real estate investing right <laughs> like oh yeah. this is what it feels like it's such a humbling experience um and something that uh, uh that i've really enjoyed doing yeah yeah F feeling growth like you know what i mean like some something 
you, you, you ma as you master things they become maybe not less interesting but just there's you don't you're not making those strides forward that you can when you you know start to learn something new so i i think it's a it's a i agree like even just picking up something that uh is foreign it just it feels interesting and new <clears throat> um when people hear this and they want to reach out to you what's the best way Oh, great. Yeah. So PassiveWealthShow.com is our website, PassiveWealthShow.com. I have two free, 100% free courses on there. Uh, one's about passive income. And it's, I break down the strategies that we've used to, um, uh, to generate, it was over $5 million in, in passive income last year, or I'm sorry, in 2022. Um, uh, it was, so I kind of break down like, what are those three strategies, why they're my favorite and why I think everybody should do them. Uh, and then the other course I have is a, um, uh, called passive profits and it's about investing in your first real estate fund. And I go through, okay, uh, there's a clarity finder, like is investing passively even the right thing for you or not? Cause like we shouldn't do that. Uh, there's nothing more tragic than spending time going down a rabbit hole on, on, on when we shouldn't have done it in the first place. Right. So I help you think through, okay, should I be an active investor or a passive investor, uh, assessing risk on these deals? There's all sorts of different risk profiles. You know, how do you, how do you measure that and how do you figure out what that is? Even some basic fund terminology, like, uh, understanding what general partners and limited partners and are and, and so anyway, the course just breaks down uh, and goes through a step-by-step -step on, on I, I thought through what I, what I uh, for the researchers in the room, um, uh, what the researchers will need to know. Uh, and then also we do, I do have like a Calendly link on the website if someone, if, if you're really more the type that, oh, I just want to talk to somebody, um, you can schedule a call um, as well on, on PassiveWellShow.com and we can, um, we can connect and talk and and if there's anything I can do to, to help, I would love to. So, uh, yeah, so just PassiveWealthShow.com. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes. My last question for you, Jim, what piece of advice would you give to someone who uh, wants to get started in real estate? They hear this, they're excited by your story. What would you tell them? I The first step would be just getting clear on who you are, what you're good at and what approach you should do. Okay. Uh, I am an active investor. That was what's best for me. Uh, and all the passive income that my team generates for me is actually recurring revenue because we're managing the team and we're creating passive income opportunities for other people. Okay. So what's best for me is the active investor route. But, but if you're someone that loves what their day job is, like, let's say you're a doctor uh, and you love your day job, uh, uh, the passive investment route is likely to be the better option because do you want to be a, a start a new company that then you have to find the deal, you have to negotiate it, and then you have to build this business that's building your recurring revenue. But at some point, like it's, it's still active. It's not an actual passive investment. So I think it is a really confusing that people a lot of times we'll say, oh, I love real estate because of everything on paper, the depreciation, the passive income, the cash flow. I love all of that. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to find a property and I'm going to be become a landlord. Well, you're skipping a step. 
yeah. you know, first decide, first have some awareness, like, and get clear on how good are you at these things? Like you have to have sales skills to be good at real estate. Like, cause like without a sale, there's no deal, you know, there, I mean, there's no property to buy. Like you have to sell, sell yourself to that, to a homeowner or to a realtor and to get to people to have uh, to, to make, make it work. Right. So I would say first self identify, okay, like, am I an active or am I a passive investor? And then once you do that, now, you know, okay, well, which, you know, should I start studying strategies on uh, investing in real estate, like lease purchase deals or, or apartment complexes or self storage or whatever, should I start to then get all of those trainings? Or if a passive investment's the right route, should I start studying? How do I be a passive investor and take a course like Jim has on, on the passivewellshow.com um, to like to develop that skill set because it's a different skill set. Investing into a team versus uh, that will do all the work versus investing uh, yourself where you have to have all of the knowledge on on running the repairs and and valuing properties and and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. I think you have to definitely think people should check out what's on your website and that, that sort of, I like the idea of that sort of self-evaluation of where do I stand? Cause I do think so many people are like, you know, you tell them how much, how great investing in real estate is and their automatic thought is, well, I don't want to do all that work. And they just don't know they don't have to. <laughs> you, you literally do not have to, like there are passive opportunities uh, all over the place. You don't have to be the one to do the work. So it's, um, I think a great point to end on. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, thank you for everything that you shared. I think um, just a, a ton of value there for the listeners. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Have a good one, guys. Absolutely. Folks listening, uh, I know you're going to love this episode. Please like, rate, and review so we can get more great guests like Jim. And thank you all for hey listening. There. I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Why? 